we don't have a warehouse. That's $2,500 a month that I don't have to pay out. So then I can give it to my team. We have nicer vans because of that. We don't have to pay for all those other expenses. You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Tersh Blissett, welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I am so, so excited for you to be here. You actually are one of the very first Service Titan customers I ever spoke to. I didn't tell you that in the email, but um, (laughs) you've had quite a progression. And you are not only are you the owner of Service Emperor, but you are also a big time podcaster. So I'm so, so psyched to get into today's conversation. But I'm just going to start this conversation like I do all of them. How did you get into the trades? So origin, origin story here. Um, Really cool stuff because my dad has always been really mechanically inclined, worked with his hands, union welder, boilermaker, worked in the factories here at International Paper, union camp in town. And, you know, I was going through college and I was going through school just in general. Right out of high school, I joined the Air Force. I was a TACP, so like, kind of long story short, held lasers for laser-guided missiles. That's what we kind of did behind enemy line type stuff. Oh, wow. And then I got out of that and kind of came back home and even went to work at the factory where dad was at and worked there for a little while. And granted, I, I went to Georgia Tech to like engineering. Like I just really really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew like all the way through high school, my mom's a a teacher also. And she pushed me towards engineering because I was really good at math and and I could really figure that stuff out really easily. So, but then I really got to working with my hands a lot. And I had some buddies of mine who were really big into cars. We were all big into cars. And me, I kind of knew that I had an education and I was working at a factory, you know, but I still was envious of him because he was just like, anytime he needed a part for his car, he was, he had it. And I was like, man, like, how did you, how did you get to that level? And you work for a trade? Like you, like, I didn't even understand what air conditioning was. I, I mean, other than when I bought my first house at 18, he came over looked at my air conditioning unit. It was an ancient York tombstones thing. And, and he was like, man, this thing is old, but I didn't really understand what he was saying. I didn't really understand that he meant like, you really need to change this out. But um, about a couple, about six months later, probably he changed it out and I helped him change it out. We actually ended up swapping car parts for the AC unit change out and everything else. And long story short, I ended up working with him at, at an air conditioning company local in Savannah. And it was really awesome because it was the, the instant gratification that you got with fixing things with your hands and, and that satisfaction of, of turning things over to the homeowner and, and just saying, Hey, look, I got it fixed. And it's not a long drawn out project like most of our car projects were. So it was, it was really awesome. Like that was long story short. That's how I kind of got into the, into the trades there. 
Nice. Well, first off, thank you for your service. Thank you for being in the Air Force. You join a very lovely crowd of people who came from the military and are now working in the trades, which I would love to talk a little bit about more. But before we do, talk to me a little bit about the progression you made in your career. Did you, obviously you were engineer, you were an engineer, really phenomenal college education there. That's a difficult degree to get. So you were mechanically inclined. Did you come in as a maintenance tech? Did you come in as a service tech? How did that work? It was the weirdest thing in the world. So I came into this company and there were like four or five service techs. And within two weeks, I was the only service tech. And it was the craziest thing. Like all of these guys had been there for a long time and they all kind of jumped ship at the exact same time. And it was like, oh man, like, should I leave or should I stay? Like, and, and, but I ended up staying and, and I kind of seen it as like, Hey, if I'm the only one here, then that means I get to progress first, you know? And, and so that's basically exactly what happened. They brought on a few more texts and within about, I believe it was, well, I, I know that it was within two years. It was less than two years. I ended up being the service manager, then became the general manager, did install management. Like I just, I, I worked my way you know, through all of the ranks. And I was there for about seven years ish before starting my uh, first business. That's amazing. And so talk to me about that jump between working your way up the ranks, then starting your first business. When did you get the entrepreneurial seizure, as they say in the (laughs) e-myth? Yeah, I don't know. It, It was one of those like sink or swim type things. It was I had gotten really bored at the place where I, the level I was, it was, there was very little satisfaction. There was, I could have probably gone back to being a service tech if, if we weren't in such a small town, cause we're, we're in Savannah, Georgia, which is, I mean, it's the largest small town in America. I mean, it's, it's, it's a small town mentality for a city. And so like if we were, if I was in a larger area, probably would have worked for a larger company and became another service tech or the service manager. But I'm very much a wartime leader. And so as soon as we got, as soon as I got all the policies and procedures ironed out, I got like back before Service Titan, you know, I had Excel spreadsheets where I was pulling data in from the GPS tracker. So I knew exactly what our billable hours were, our unapplied time. And I had that stuff automated back before really you did automation. And so I really got bored. And uh, actually, as soon as I left that, uh, that air conditioning company, I bought a trucking company. And yeah, I had uh, guys on the road uh, doing trucking. Um, wow. And so then that, that got boring. And so I was like, man, I feel like I'm wasting my talent here as an air conditioning guy. So then I, I, I started an air conditioning company. And two companies later, I have now I have one that competes against the other one in the same market. Wait, 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 okay. Back up. You have two HVAC companies that compete against each other in the same market? I do. Yep. <laughs> and they're now both on Service Titan too. <laughs> okay. Well, we need to we need to dive into that. So I, and I actually to set the stage, let me talk, let me just tell the listeners how I got to know you. So this was back, I think three and a half years ago. I was brand new to Service Titan and you had come across my inbox. I was a big podcaster at the big podcasting fan. And you came across wanting to have someone on our team do the podcast and talk about service Titan. And I was like, Oh, this guy's so cool. He's got his own uh, HVAC podcast. And I did some more digging and I found out you started the service business mastery podcast. And the whole thing was, I'm going to start an HVAC business from scratch and I'm going to document it 
every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And you kind of came to me and you were like, I want to do it on service Titan, but we had rules in place. Like we can't service a one man shop. And I, I went up to my, my C and the VP of marketing at the time. And I was like, I really want to get this guy on service Titan because if he does this, which I think he is, he'll be able to talk about his journey and growth all through the lens of service Titan. And we were able to figure it out. And I'm so happy we did that being said. So at that time you were starting the company called Icebound. So is Icebound the one that is competing with service emperor right now? Nope, it's okay, not. So talk to me. What, what happened? How did we get from out Icebound to Service Emperor? Okay, so in 2017, I was on a podcast several times with a buddy of mine, Brian Orr. He has the HVAC School podcast, and we always talked business. Every time I came on, we were talking business and how we did business things uh, differently. So I came on his show, and then he's like, you should start your own podcast with business, you know, bis- pertaining to business and service business. And he said he would even host it or produce it for me for the first year or so. And I was like, all right, cool, let's do that. And it was really outside of my comfort area anyways, because of having speech impediment and just really being nervous talking in front of people. And so I was like, all right, two birds with one stone. I'm going to talk in front of people and really work on speech. And so I did that when I, own TriStar at the time. Now TriStar started in 2014 and this is 2017-ish and we were growing between 90 and 120% year over year. So the biggest thing that I was sharing at that point was the experience of TriStar. But then I had a lot of people asking questions about how do I start the business? How do I actually, from the start, like before I ever even think about it, like I'm, I'm a service manager, the owner of the company already knows that I'm going to do my own thing. I have non-compete, so I have to move to a different city and stuff like that. But how do I actually start it? And I was like, all right, cool. I can answer that question. But then it was like, all right, I'm answering that question again. And I'm answering that question. And so it became constantly, I was answering the question of my experience of starting a business from the ground up from scratch and bootstrapping it. And so then I was like, you know what? I should just start another business. I'm a glutton for punishment. So I just, (laughs) I began to start what actually was going to be a different company. And then I had a friend of mine who owned Icebound. He had owned Icebound for several years and he was trying to get out of the trades. And so I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll buy your business. And then that became the ordeal. So like how to purchase a business. And I ended up buying a business that was really shouldn't have been purchased. It should have been closed because I didn't realize how bad of a shape it was in, which I, I share in the podcast, like, all right, so these are the mistakes that I've been making and this is a mistake I'm making and I wouldn't do this again and X, Y, and Z. And so then I took Icebound through the progression of, man, I'm getting a lot of calls for stuff that's unrelated to our trade. And so I was, I was getting a lot of like ice delivering ice calls or ice sculpture calls. And so I was like, all right, so we got to do something here. I wasn't hundred percent prepared to, to change to service emperor and offer multiple trades or anything like that. But I, I knew that I needed to do something. And so throughout the, the better part of, so I, I began at the end of 2018, really with, um, icebound purchasing, like full out purchasing icebound at the end of 2018, spent 2019 really trying to focus on the brand and figure out what I was going to do with with Icebound, if I was going to stay Icebound or go to a different brand. And then uh, at the end of 
2019, we decided we were going to change over to Service Emperor, got all the information, you know, did all the branding and design and all that stuff, and then launched in the beginning of 2020, a brand new brand. And then, of course, everything happened and we couldn't network like we were networking because also I'm the president of the Small Business Chamber on three different boards and Leukemia Lymphoma Society, all kinds of stuff. So we were networking like crazy. We're like, oh, this is perfect. I'll still be, I'll be able to share all this stuff with all these people that I'm networking with. And then all of a sudden networking came to a screeching halt. And so it's like, or I spent all, all of 2020 kind of sharing Service Emperor without being able to physically share Service Emperor with everybody. Interesting. So right now, Icebound and Service Emperor exist. No, Icebound, uh, Service Emperor was Icebound. So Icebound converted over to Service Emperor. Now, TriStar still exists. TriStar is the other company. Ah, that, okay. that is That is the company that uh, we started in 2014 with a business partner of mine. He does a lot of construction work, and I was an HVAC guy. And so um, we started TriStar, and with that business, we do air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical. And that company is low margin, high volume, whereas... Service Emperor is the exact opposite. So it's, it's lower volume, but higher margins. Amazing. Oh, what a story. So it sounds like when you purchased Icebound, you were like, whoops, mm-hmm. I probably, there were some things that were a little unexpected. Talk to me about some of those unexpected challenges. And I know you go into detail about them on Service Business Mastery, but just some high level things that you mm-hmm. learned from purchasing a business. The biggest thing is don't take the person's advice for who they have as a consumer or a client. And really know that client's information because as a company, if it's a one man shop, it's really a job for that person and they want that person. And mm-hmm. so what I purchased was that. And so whenever it came to time to a new service expert, a new service technician to come and service this, this uh, customer client, they were like, ah, that's not the way that they did it though. That's not the way this person did it. And that's not the way this person I'm like, yes, but for the amount of money that you're paying, the amount of money your contract is, we're not going to be able to do all of X, Y, and Z because that's not, that, that, you can't do that as a business. It just doesn't make sense. And so that's the biggest thing that really quickly we learned the 80, 20 rule that, mm-hmm. that, that 20% of people that take up 80% of your time, you really have to get rid of them. So we began a, a, a quick process of dismissing clients and really really honing in on our avatar. Basically, that's what we spent pretty much all of 2019 doing, really focusing on who's our avatar, how do we market to that avatar, and then how do we say no? Because every time that we didn't say no, that's when it really burned us. And so it's been really an eye-opening experience being able to really hone back, like just, just go back and say, okay, these are the ones where we really feel like we didn't make money, did we make money? Which is, I mean, shout out the service, service site because we can just instantly job call stuff. And so it's like, okay, we know we made money on this job. We know we lost money on this job, even though that was a high ticket price, mm-hmm. you know, job, we still lost money on it because of how much extra time, effort and energy that person took from us. Whereas this, this job over here was a lower ticket price, but we still, um, we still, you know, made a lot more money on it at the end of the day. I, I love that. I love that distinction that a high ticket uh, doesn't necessarily equal a profitable job. Absolutely. And it sounds like you really, you bought, you more, instead of buying a company, you more than bought one person's 
kind of individual stylistic reputation. Were you able to still keep some of those clients as you made the, as you changed over to service emperor and did the rebranding? So any clients that we had at the end of 2019, we kept through the, through the transition of rebranding. Now, from the time we purchased the company until the end of 2019, there was probably, I think that was probably about 20% of the clients that we retained. And there were no clients that we wanted that left. So there was anybody that left, we wanted them to leave. So it was, it was, it was very much, it was very much a, uh, all right, we're done. We're not a good fit with, for each other. As soon as this contract ends, let's just part ways. I love that. I had um, a business consultant, Mike Claudio on for season two, and he talked a lot about finding the right client for you. Mm. And, you know, some people say, you know, who are your customers? Anyone that owns an air conditioner? Well, that's not true, right? Mm -hmm. Who do you want to service? So when you went through discovering who your ideal client, I love the word avatar. I've used like business persona, but avatar is much more fun. What were some of the questions that you asked to yourself and to people working for you? Like, who do we want to be clients of service emperor how did you go through that exercise oh this is a, I mean, this is really exciting stuff i mean this gets into my nerd side of things um i love it it's it's uh there's a company called melissa data if you're in the u.s they don't do anything in canada or australia but if you're in the u.s there's a company called melissa data and they will take and run a full report so basically you, you export everything out of service titan that's pretty much over $500. So like diagnostic onlys or, or consultation fee onlys and estimates and no charges, that kind of stuff. You don't want to export those, but you, you export all your clients that are 500 and more. And then you send all this information over to Melissa data. And then Melissa data spits out this report, super fancy. Like it tells you everything about every one of your clients, the, where your the zip codes, that you are the most profitable, where you make the most money. And then you, um, you really just take that information and say, okay, well, we make the most money. We, we get the most bang for our buck in this area. And so it'll tell you, so we know for, without a shadow of a doubt that our, our avatar is 45 to 65. Sometimes we can cheat down into the 35 ranges and then they have two kids in high school or college, affluent, they're both professionals, C-suite. If both are working, they're both C-suite. And so like we can dive down into, we know what kind of vehicles they drive and like it's really super detailed. So then when you start your advertising, you know, don't advertise in this area because their kids are likely to play travel soccer. So, you know, advertise over here or tennis or something like that. And so it's, when you start the advertising process, you just, it's almost, it's almost cheating because you know, a lot of what, you know, their desires are. And and obviously that's not the only people you can ever market to, but that's definitely your, your target avatar. That's why they call it the target. Well, it completely informs, you know, how you speak to your clients and the value props that you present. I mean, if you're, if you're targeting to C-suite level adults, married couple who probably have very little time on their hand, First thing off my head that you'd want to market to them. Hey, we give you text confirmations. Like we are easy, like no frills. Like we let you know, easy reschedulable appointments, that kind of stuff. And that just gives your marketing team really a North star to figure out how do we get these folks. And in terms of the cheating, I think that's just the mushy feeling we all get when we realize 
how hyper-targeted advertising really can be. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been able to go so deep and I'm so thankful because the podcast is what's made this happen for us. We were able to connect with people like Admanity and they have been able to tell us what colors make the emotion for our avatar. So we know that black and orange and gold are, that's the colors. So we can't use any other colors. We know that our font has to be between two fonts and it can only be black font on white writing or white font on black writing. It can't be colorful. It can't be yellow. We have to stay away from yellow and it's, it's wild. And once we started doing that, oh man, this, the, the people that call, they self-select and it's weird how, how that happens, how, how so many people that are not our avatar that used to call us that we used to have to say no, or we'd have to say, you know, we're scheduled back, we're scheduled out a certain amount of time. We're not getting those phone calls as much anymore. And when we do, it's whenever we're advertising on, you know, PPC or something like that, where it's like just hitting the masses and, and you can't really control the color and font and that type of stuff. I love that. That's awesome. And it also, I imagine as an owner who, you know, as you're growing a business, you obviously have to wear the marketing hat a little bit, right? When you get those specific rules, those parameters, then you're off to the races. You're like, great, you did all the hard work for me. I'll just do it now. Right. One other thing you mentioned in your, one of your answers is that you're a wartime leader. And I was going to ask if, although Icebound wasn't what you thought it was going to be when you purchased it, do you feel personally that you flourished under those circumstances? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it was a penguin. Penguin was our logo and we really rocked it. I mean, I had penguin socks. We just, we, we ran with the brand and it was one of those things where it was like, we could have probably made it work, but it, it was I'd rather hear the hard truth than a comforting lie. And it was one of those things where like, Hey, look, you know, you're not going to get over 10, 15 million with that logo and that brand, unless you offer more than one trade in our area. Because I mean, we only have 244,000 houses here oh, wow. know, in our city. And when I say a large, small town, like people, if you think of Savannah, if you know of Savannah, they've done a great job of marketing Savannah as a large on a large city almost. And when you actually look at the census and look at the data, you're like, Oh, wow. Like that's really not that large. <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to say like 2 million. And I was like, Oh, 200. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah I thought Savannah was much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's crazy how well they've done marketing the local chamber because they do tons of, of marketing with visit Savannah and stuff like that. And it, it is wild. Whenever you actually look at the data, take that with a grain of salt, because that is homeowners. That's like people that I could market to, uh, versus uh, renters. renters and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. All right. Very cool. So, um, I kind of got why you changed the name from icebound to service emperor. It sounds like you wanted to go multi-trade also, <laughs> not really helpful getting those ice sculpting calls. <laughs> the minute you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. So talk to me about where Service Emperor is right now. Like uh, what do you, what kind of industries are you in? How much revenue are you doing? And where you guys want to take it? Because it sounds like you have goals and aspirations to go well beyond 15 million. Yeah, we do. We really do. We, we want 10 locations that are doing at least 5 million each, and they're all going to be similar size areas as what we have now. That's our, that's our goal. I mean, that's our target and it's very well laid out and, and we, we know how to do it and we plan on doing it in, in the next uh, less than 10 years is how we have it laid out currently. So right now 
rebranding. So when we rebranded, we also changed a lot of mindset internally. And mm -hmm. so we had to dismiss a few uh, employees and then brought on more new team members. We brought on team members from Ohio. I mean, 600, 800 miles away. It's been a really Dang. cool process. Yeah. And so we've been able to, we've grown really, I mean, December, we grew 384% over previous December. Yeah. I mean, it's Holy really cow. been taken off, but we're just over the $1 million mark for air conditioning only. And so we have plumbing and electrical as affiliate partnerships. And for December and January, we were getting more electrical calls than we are air conditioning calls. But so it's, it's been a wild kind of process. And so much so that we are going to be bringing on 10 more technicians, uh, managed techs, service Titan. So we're going to be bringing on 10 more uh, managed techs before summer of this year between air conditioning, I mean, between plumbing and electrical and um, HVAC installers. So Nice. Yeah, yeah we, we plan on growing at least 300% in this year uh, for 2021. Well, 384% is certainly significant growth. And when you said affiliates, are these partners that you have in Savannah or are you growing out the departments internally? These are partners in Savannah. So the way it works with us is they're, they're quote unquote, probably technically subcontractors, mm. but we vet them so much so that they are spitting images of us. And once we can get so many calls coming in that it's justifiable for us to bring them in internally, we've already had the conversation with these people that either they're going to help us get the license or they're going to, they're going to come in and come on board with us as a license holder for that trade. So we already know that that's going to happen. And it's really just mainly us making sure that we have the demand before we actually pull the trigger. That way we're not um, setting someone up for failure in a, in a tra different trade. We actually, we, one of our, our, our brand promises that we are the, the concierge service, the home concierge service. So we are your home's concierge service. So anything you need for your home, we have an affiliate partner for that if we don't do it in house and, and we've vetted them, we've, you know, background checked them. They all know our, value promise and our, uh, the brand promise. So they know exactly what we believe in. And if they don't believe the exact same thing, they're not in our affiliate program. That's really interesting. I know a lot of owners struggle with that. And the growth aspect is like, do I wait for the phone to ring and then hire them? Or do I hire them and then try and get the phone to ring? It's kind of a chicken and the egg problem. And so it sounds like you've really combated that. I know that working with subcontractors, some people get a little dicey about it. And you mentioned you vet them really, really thoroughly. Can you talk just a little bit more about that process? Oh, absolutely. So they're vetted the same way an employee is vetted. So literally they could come on board as an employee and they checked all the boxes already that, that an employee would part of our process is five step process. And it kind of got dicey with being quarantined and everything, but we still, we've been on zoom and we were remote, you know, this, we were remote back before remote. It was cool. And so the final step of the five step process is we go out to eat together, my family and their family go out to eat together and we just watch how, they do like how they interact with people, how they interact with the waiting staff, people who really, they wouldn't benefit to be super nice or kind to, and we just really, and then how they interact with their children and, and spouse and just that, that constant interaction. And we always go to somewhere that's really noisy and really kind of irritating to be at. And, and so you just kind of get that it's, it's good food. 
but it's not the best for conversation. So you can kind of really see how they act whenever they're getting kind of irritated at the fact that they can't converse as well as they like to. And so, you know, that's, you know, that's the final step. If you made it to that, that process and you still, we still have the, the feel good vibes about each other. And then, you know, then we can say, yeah, they're, they're worthy of being one of our affiliate partners. As long as they don't flip the table in that, uh, in that, in that, in that loud bar, uh, I would have, yeah. I, I know, well, I, I used to wait, I used to be a waitress, so I would be very respectful, but that would, that would, that's a smart test there, Tersh. You already alluded to my next question. So I want to dive right into it. I mean, talk to me about the fact that you guys are a hundred percent remote and that you embraced remote culture prior to COVID-19. We did. And so it's, I don't even know why I did it, probably <laughs> just to be different. And this was in, I guess, 2018, like when I first, you know, purchased Icebound, I knew that, I think the biggest, th- thinking back, probably most likely the reason why I decided to do it was to show everybody on the podcast, because there's a lot of guys and gals on the podcast who are smaller, and they feel like they have to have that warehouse, or else people won't come on board with them. And so it was kind of like a all right, well, I'm gonna show you how to do it without having to have a warehouse. And so then it became, well, all right, so how do I get to 5 million without a warehouse? And then how do I get to 10 million without a warehouse? And it really just out of necessity, it was everything that I do is extremely deliberate. And so then like information management, people were asking, well, how do you have your your policies and procedures in a book that your guys can't go get? Because not only that, we moved 60 miles outside of our service area. So it's literally an hour drive if the guys wanted to come to our house to get a, a book to review policies and procedures. So that's oh, a piece of cake. We just go to our website, create a subdomain. That's our den area. So then the Everybody on our team has a, has a sign in, a login, and they can access anything that's policy and procedure related. So, and then they can take a test. It's, it's very similar to the academy where you just take a test and you see, you know, did they actually read that or did they not? And, you know, that's how we, we solve that problem where not only that, we don't print paper. Like we don't have, we, that's an expense we don't have to deal with. We don't have a warehouse. That's $2,500 a month that I don't have to pay out. So then I can give it to my team. We have nicer vans because of that. We don't have to pay for all those other expenses. And so then people were like, well, what about trash? Well, then I negotiated with all of our vendors like, hey, if you want my business, I have to be able to dump all my trash in your dumpster. So then we got to doing that and then we got to doing remote inventory and then we, you know, uh, truck replenishment came on board with, with service Titan. So then it's like, Oh, sweet. Every Monday we get to do truck replenishment. So instead of having to use a third party inventory management for the service techs, then we're able to do use this program that's already built into it. And, and it's just really, we wouldn't be able to do it if we had the old, you know, server that had to sit in the office somewhere, but technology is there. Like why do it? And, and other than the morale aspect of it, and I get that totally. So like what we had, like this morning, this, uh, we had a company meeting. It was at eight from eight to noon. So this month it was just a longer than normal, but quarterly we'll have, we do commercial and residential. And so we have commercial clients that will say, Hey, can we borrow, you know, a couple of your tables in the back corner and just have a meeting there. 
and I'll pay you, you know, like 150 bucks or whatever. I'll, I'll pay, I'll definitely, you know, the, um, tip the waitress and everything. And that's where we do our company meetings and, and morale things. And then quarterly, we also have a meeting here at the house where we invite the whole family, their family, and that we'll get like a, a 200 foot long slip inside basically bouncy house and then just have the kids you know go into town and everybody just hangs out on a saturday so you have to be very deliberate when it comes to morale because you can't just have your every everybody meeting around the coffee table in the morning type morale anymore it's very much all right we're communicating on slack we have a channel called banter on slack that that's just for them goofing off if they want to send like just goofy memes or whatever that that's where they send it to and and so it's it's a constant, very deliberate checking up on morale. It's a constant, very deliberate. What are we going to do with trash? What are we going to do with scrap copper? What are we going to do with this and that and the other? There's no more reactive management. It has to be very proactive. And then as you step up to the next level, you have to know exactly what's going to happen beforehand because you don't have a shop to throw a lot of stuff into or for people to come hang out if they don't have anything to do. What are they going to go to do? So you have to have that stuff as a forethought beforehand. But other than that, I mean... It's great for us. And that's, I mean, I really commend you. I imagine then the transition when, you know, COVID hit Savannah, you guys were like, quarantine? Okay, we're, we're done. We, we got it. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, probably we, was we, really nice. We really legit did. We already were doing the booties. We were already doing gloves. And so other than face masks, that's the only thing, you know, uh, getting new face mask every day and then uh, sanitizing the vans every night. That's, that was something that was a little bit different, but we had a fogger for our, from our duct cleaning machine. And so we, we cleaned it, uh, cleaned the vans out that way. Uh, Julie, she is a nurse. She's by trade. That's what she went to college for. And she's been a nurse for 14, 15 years now. And so she came on board full time in 2020 and left the hospital. She actually was planning on leaving in January and then COVID happened. So she actually stayed on at the hospital to help support. And then halfway through the summer, it just got to where they, they really didn't need the extra staff. And so she came on full-time, full-time with us. And so now we have full-time medical staff on board too. So that's uh, a cool little thing. And Julie's your wife, just clarification. Yes. Sorry. No, that's all good. Um, I was going to ask, but you already answered it. I, I love the idea of being proactive with your morale and being proactive with the culture. Love the idea of just cutting your commercial clients a, cu- a couple extra hundred bucks a month just to use those rooms. And I'm so happy that you guys use Slack. Whenever I find out that some of our customers use Slack, I'm like, oh, yes, because it's such a great tool. I mean, it really can be. It's yeah. personally on the service Titan side, I've been blown away by some of the groups that have come up uh, with COVID that have really helped the team combat, you know, COVID loneliness. So I'm mm-hmm. so happy to hear you guys are are on that. And I'm sure the banter channel is very, very fun. Oh, it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> so as the host of Service Business Mastery, you connect with a ton of smart people in the industry. Talk to me about how that's helped you grow your business. Oh, man. Oh, wow. It's, it's definitely one of those things because with Service Business Mastery, I've been doing it since 2017. I think we're at episode 503, something like that. And about halfway through season one, I was really like, mm, I'm getting a lot of repeats. Not, I didn't have repeat guests and, and I do have repeat guests on the podcast and they're great people. 
but I didn't want to just, cause like if you go into a Facebook group and you have the HVAC, you, you see a lot of people, the similar people. And it's awesome having those people on the show, but we also know a lot of information about those people in general as well. So then I kind of got connected with a few people who were really, they get people from outside the industry and, and say, say you want to be on podcasts and say, they just search all the podcasts and say, Hey, this would be a good podcast for you. So I got hooked up with four or five of those. And I was like, okay, these are the type of people I want. I want CPAs. I want accountants. I want marketing people, people who do digital marketing, people who do print marketing. I want people who are authors of books. Everybody has to be an author of a book in order to come on the show. Like I want all of this stuff. And they're like, okay, cool. We got you. And so we ended up with, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike McCallowitz. He's a author of a book called Profit First. He was, he was like the first one that came on and we became friends. Actually, I actually went up to his place in New Jersey and I'm in his latest book called fix this next. And so it became this like weird cycle of great friendships, but everybody now is pretty much outside of the industry. So I'm able to bring information in that's outside the industry, thinking outside the box. And whenever I'm before the podcast ever starts, we're like, okay, how can you twist this to make this work for our listening audience? Because sometimes they're just weird. It's just like, okay, that's, this is going to be weird. This is going to be a challenge. Like, how are we going to twist this here to make this work? Because I mean, I don't even remember the last time that I, that happened, but man, it, it was, Oh, Arch and Tower. Arch, we spent 45 minutes doing our pre-record call before we ever actually started the interview. And the interview only lasted about 30 minutes because we were spent so much time thinking about how we can make it work for the industries. And they're an agency that that connects people. And it was, oh, it was such a great episode by the time we got finished with it. But beforehand, I was like, I just don't see how this is going to work. I don't see how this is going to fit. And then just something clicked in the conversation. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is going to work. And then, so since then, this episode was just released a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago or something and I had such great response out of it. And, uh, and I didn't even think I was like, mm, I don't even know if I'm going to release this episode. <laughs> like whenever we were first talk, started talking and it's like, Oh, I feel bad. Cause I don't, everybody's time is valuable. So you don't want to waste it. But sometimes you come across that and it's like Roth IRAs and it's like, how do we make this work? Like, how do we make a Roth IRA, you know, talk, you know, work for service business owners. And so it's really awesome hearing the guests come on and, and put their twist on little things that I didn't even think that the service industry would really need or could really use. And, and they really have. And so, but the, the problem that I have now is that I only release once every Wednesday and I record at least three every Wednesday. So I have a backlog of about 65 episodes. <sighs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm running but into you, that little problem now. Church, I, I might be wrong, but you might be able to take a year off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> I love that you take folks from across different industries and different walks of life and you try to apply it to service business. I think that's so smart because some of the most successful service entrepreneurs I've spoken with have really t adapted mindset and strategies from outside the service business and applied it to their own. So I absolutely love that. I think that's phenomenal. And it's all, it is a really great way to meet people. I mean, you can't talk to someone for an hour and then not leave liking them. That's basically how that works. Exactly. Um, 
I'm curious what you would say to someone, to an owner who says like, I don't want to network with anyone. I don't want to talk to my competitors. I don't want to talk to any, like, I want to be very tight lipped about my strategy and people that get very just kind of like protective about how they're running their business. What would you say to them? I get this question a lot, especially about the podcast. They're like, why, why do you share all this stuff knowing your competitors will do it or, you know, your competitors will have the information and it's, it's funny because they don't do it. They're just not going to do it. And just watch yourself as a business owner. And how often do you change? Like how often do you go to the office and say, Hey, let's change everything. Let's just throw it all up in the air and see where it lands. And, and it doesn't happen. You, you get into this rut as a business owner, no matter how bad you don't want it to be the case, you get into this rut where you're like, you just get comfortable doing the same thing over and over again. Even if it's a great idea, you're like, okay, this is a great idea. But then two weeks later, you're doing what's comfortable and what you're used to doing. And so honestly, like, like I don't network a ton with, with my direct competitors, but I do have some friends who are in my area that are competitors that we constantly are bouncing ideas off of. And it's really cool because I've, we've, we're watching each other grow at the same time. There's some of them that are smaller than me, some of them that are larger than me. And it's really been cool watching that entire process. Whereas I have tons of friends who are outside of our area that are, um, you know, in, in the trades and we bounce ideas off of each other all the time. Yeah. It's so valuable. And I mean, that's the most thing I, I'm really right now trying to learn more about how service businesses grow and they come over those, that like $3 million hump, the $5 million hump, et cetera. And basically like everyone I speak to says, you got to talk to people, talk to people that have done it already and see how they did it. That's the only way you're going to learn. So I think that's really good. That's a very good point. Um, the track, the tricks that you, that you don't even know about and you're like, Oh, I didn't even know I could do that. Like, yeah, you just have to ask, like when you're buying a van, don't pay for the wrap separate finance it in with your van, finance it in with your lease. So you don't have to come out of pocket four or $5,000. Like, huh, okay. I didn't know that. Not until I asked another service. I mean, another business owner, I'm like, I don't want to rewrap That was when I was going through the full rebrand. I was like, man, I don't want to rewrap all these vehicles and everything. And they're like, well, as you purchase vans, just build it into the, to the lease or the finance that you're doing. And, you know, they'll pay for it to be wrapped before you ever even get delivery of it. I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's a pretty good aha moment. Are there any others that come to mind? Same with shelving. Like don't spend a thousand dollars out of pocket to put shelves in your van, finance it into the cost of the van that get into some sort of lease program when it comes to vehicles and you know, that they're so cheap and you develop a relationship with those, the commercial lenders and have your lender, have a banker, have a lawyer, have a accountant, a CFO, CPA, like create those deep relationships with those people. And so then when you need something, your banker, you just text, like I can literally text my banker and he's like, oh yeah, you're good. Let's do this. And so it's not like going through lean processes and stuff like that. Just develop those relationships well before you ever need to have them. Got it. Great advice. So you already said you have 500 plus episodes of service business mastery. If people are interested in listening, which I'm sure they will be after this, during this interview, which episode should they check out first? Ooh, probably the first episode. It sounds so weird and it sounds so horrible, but it's just that first episode where Brian, Brian or uh, the guy that actually got me into podcasting, he's interviewing me for the first two episodes and it's really some good stuff. And it's, it's just real juicy content that like, Oh, how to deal with property managers and 
like the origin story of me and why I even started the podcast and, and gives a little bit of background about me. And I'm a lot more open now than I was then, but it's really cool to, to hear that. Then you could skip over a couple of seasons and, and get in with, you know, somewhere in 400s, the 415s. They're, they're good episodes there. So. Well, I was, my next question is, what are some of your most memorable episodes? What are some ones that you're like, oh yeah, that's a good one? The last one I did because my memory sucks. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's it, the, any of them where I still have relationships with the people after the fact. And, and there's a lot of them that are like, Hey, you know, we get on podcasts and then we say we're going to stay in touch and then we never do. And like, I really want to stay in touch with you, but you know, th that happens, that conversation happens from time to time. But then the ones that really stay connected. And I think with like Wayne Herring and then Mike McCallowitz, anything Mike McCallowitz, have Tommy Mello, like those, those guys, they're, those guys are legit, genuinely good people. And they like having a relationship, but Wayne Herring's the same way. And he has what's called the business builders. Oh, he's going to shoot me if he hears this. Uh, it's the, uh, business builders camp campsite or something like that, where it's just a, a group of, of guys that go and do camp outs. And they, they, if you're into hunting, they'll go hunting and they go like, it's very primitive and you just really like dive deep into your soul type stuff. And, and so like we do a monthly book club with him now. And so we, we read business books that are completely unrelated to the quote unquote business book. You won't find these business books anywhere. One of them is like, it's an hour long listen. If you listen to audible, it's called, uh, the family board meeting. It's really, I mean, it's so awesome. It's, it's talking about family and growing your family and, and, and treating your family like a board meeting versus, you know, forgetting about the family throughout the process of growing your business. And so stuff like that, like those guys, I mean, that's anybody that I've made connections like that with they're, they're obviously great ones. Uh, any, any of my coaches that I've ever talked with on the podcast, Mike, Mike Aguilero, who else? Bruce Wiseman, any of them, you know, BDR, you know, CEO warrior. Those, those are always really cool because kind of getting a little information from behind the curtain type thing and just revealing that human, human nature of somebody who you see so much of on social media. That's great. I love that. What book are you reading now with your book club? Book club. We actually uh, just finished we just finished one, the board meeting and then just started another one. He just actually literally texted me a few minutes ago. He's like, have you read it yet? And I was like, uh, I'm not going to reply yet. So <laughs> no, we're supposed to get, um, we're supposed to meet up again two weeks to, to do that book one. So I'll probably wait until like a week and a half to start reading it. But yeah, and that, okay. that's, they're always really simple. We've done extreme ownership. Sure. That's a good one. Absolutely. Raving fans. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a buddy of mine called, his name's Jesse Cole and he's, he's known for wearing a yellow tux and his book's called find your yellow tux. So he wears, <laughs> he wears yellow tuxedos everywhere he goes. So he's talking about doing business differently and, and standing out in the crowd. And so it's a really cool phenomenon. And I've gotten a lot of my, my, my standing out of the crowd type stuff from, from Jesse. Nice. Very, very cool. I love good book recommendations. So you already talked about the family board meeting. We already established that your wife, Julie, works in the business. So talk to me about what it's like running a business with your wife. It's challenging at times. You know, uh, there's conversations about staying in your lane. And we both have very similar type A personalities where we want to do everything. We want, we don't want to relinquish control sometimes. 
And so it's a constant communication with her and between her and I like, okay, these are your roles. And that was another thing with org chart. We had to create a full org chart, you know, 10, 10 million dollars in revenue worth of org chart. And so we really were like, okay, even though we're doing several of these at one at right now, who's going to do it later? And, and that, having that conversation really opened us up to, well, I feel like I'm doing that. Well, no, I'm doing that. Well, we don't both need to be doing it. And so having that, that constant and clear communication. And then, you know, you throw four kids in the middle of that too. So at four o'clock, you know, you have to turn business off for an hour, no matter what. And so that's, it's just a lot of communication and, and try to have thick skin as much as possible. And then one of the rules, so we have life coaches and we've had life coaches for a hot minute now because we really were concerned with with that question in general and so one of the things that this couple that's our life one of our life coaches they they were like um you need to create boundaries don't ever take work to bed don't like you need to like so that was our boundary that we created so as soon as you cross the threshold of our bedroom you're not allowed to talk work anymore if you Mm -hmm. want to talk work you gotta get up go and and be deliberate about talking work somewhere else not uh not in the bedroom at all so that's uh that, and that really helps out a lot because it's hard to turn off work, especially if you work from home, being work, you, being that you work remote or you work from your book bag uh, from a laptop, or if you work with your spouse and then if you network with your spouse, so she's on some of the boards and I'm on different boards. And so it's constant communication about different boards that we're on and stuff like that. So it's, it definitely can be very blurred lines. Whereas where's life and and family versus, you know, doing work life stuff. Nice. I like, interesting that you guys use life coaches and it sounds like you were very deliberate when bringing Julie on uh, from a part-time basis, also a full-time basis of setting those boundaries and being very clear about the delineation between this is work, this is family, which I think is brilliant. I think that's the way to do it in terms of life coaching. If you don't mind me going on that tangent, yeah, what prompted you to get a life coach and what would you say to folks who right now who are listening, who are like life coach, why would I do that? Yeah, it was well before we thought we needed it at the same time. It was like, this can't be like, we don't know the answers to this and it can't be like this all the time. There has to be somebody out there that does this or has experienced this. And, and one thing I forgot to mention early on is when I first started my first HVAC company, um, I then went back to school for a psychology degree. So, Uh yeah, so I had, and I did that just so that I'd understand the reason and the way that my team thought and why they thought about different things. And so that was kind of my whole goal there. And then, then it became a really deep interest of mine of like, okay, the thought process, how things think, how people think and why they think the way they do and very much love languages and feeling that love cup. And then, as we, we progressed in our relationship and and got married, it was, it's very much like, all right, she worked a lot at the hospital and I worked a lot in the business. And so you could watch things progress and decline very quickly and easily or take longer. Like if you got your feelings hurt, like not being able to express things openly as, as much as we wanted to. And so it was just by happenstance that we met this one couple And then after meeting that couple, then other friends of ours that 
like our uh, one friend of mine that's in the air force and uh, he's a TAC P also. And well, he's now not, he's, he's a youth minister now, but he was, he was a TAC P. And so he was like, Oh yeah, John, Joe. Oh yeah. I love them. They're great. They're the greatest people in the world. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like y'all use y'all, y'all have life coaches too. And they're like, nah, but they're just great people. Like, you know, and so like the more we, we kind of accidentally met this couple who's a life coach and then it was like, okay, cool. So we started using them and then through net working we've met other coaches that are life coaches and one of them she she works closely with julie and it's all about creating your brand colors and that's what she focuses on and not only that internally like your like how you think internally and she's almost like pulls stuff out like a psychologist but she's just a she's a, a life coach in general like making sure that you you're always on point like you always represent your brand correctly and we're like, okay, cool. Like it, it's, we'll try it out. And then it turns into, oh, wow. She's like a psychologist. Like <laughs> she's pulling all kinds of stuff out. So it just, one thing progresses into another and, and it really is a snowball effect. And it's, it's wild how much information, like even though we were really well connected beforehand, we meshed extremely well beforehand. And me being, having psychology degree in psychology, like I understood a lot of that stuff, but we still didn't realize how much that we could grow by having a life coach and anybody that's like, ooh, like super macho, like I'm not going to have somebody like a counselor or shrink tell me what to do. It's not real. It's not that way. It's, I mean, because John, he, he coaches other business owners. And so like we go out and do a dove shoot and it's like really like how you connect with yourself internally and, and how the more you're respected, the more you, you, you give that uh, respect and that, that desire for your spouse to actually show you more respect. And, and those, those are the type of people that really like give you that aha moment where it's like, okay, I understand now what, what the reason why when things are good, things are good. And when things are bad, things are bad. Now this makes sense because when things are good, like she was showing me respect and I was showing her the admiration that she desired. So, but then when things were bad, I, I realized now that I was really just feeling disrespected. And then in turn, I wasn't showing her any admiration. And then it's like, wow, this is like a crazy yin and yang. And it's like, oh, I know how to fix this stuff now. It's you're no longer like, was it men are from Mars and women, from, women Venus. from Venus? Yeah. yeah. It's no more of that conversation as much anymore. Like we kind of get things and when things do like happen, it's like, okay, I understand why it happened now. Let's don't do that again in the future, that type of stuff. So I was the ultimate alpha, like, no, not doing this. And then like, after seeing the, the positive results from it, business and personal, it was like, oh yeah, cool. Like, I mean, one of the biggest things that, that just first aha moment for us was, as you can hear with what I'm sharing here, we do a lot, a lot. We're constantly doing things. So, uh, John's wife, Joe, she's, she was like, your life is like a rubber band. What's happened? Have you ever pulled a rubber band so tight that finally it just popped or pulled it? And so the elasticity is gone. At some point, you're going to have to come back and like, just say no to some things. Say no to that board meeting. Say no to that board group in general. Like you're going to have some, at some point your, your life is like that, that rubber band and it's just going to stay expanded out or it's going to pop. So it's just cool little ahas like that. There's like, okay, this is worth my, my $150 investment for this one hour. 
Thank you for being so honest and open about that. I so appreciate it. And I want to just mention while you were giving that great explanation, relationships need tending to. They are not something, it's not like you get married and that's it. Good to go. It's very much something that needs tend loving, loving care. And um, it sounds like you're investing in that. So way to go, just like you invest in your business. So way to go. I have a couple more questions left, but the main thing I wanted to, not the main thing, but one of the things I wanted to ask is, man, you seem to love Savannah and you are super engaged in your community. So talk to me about why that's important to you at Service Emperor. Honestly, it's, I don't know, it's part of the buy local thing. Like it's just shop small SAB. That's my thing. And I don't, I, I got into that. So podcasting and getting into the networking about the same time, I was deathly afraid of talking in front of people. And now like, it's, it's very common for me to talk in front of 13 or, or 3000 people every month, you know? And so like, it was that very, very much out of a necessity, I needed to meet people just so that I got out of my comfort zone because it was really easy for me to sit behind a desk and work on an Excel spreadsheet. Like I could do that all day long. I could be just fine. I'm an extreme introvert, extreme introvert. Really? Oh, yes, absolutely. And so as soon as I realized that I needed to come out of that shell and I needed to go network with people, it became an addiction almost. And so it was like, okay, let's go do some more networking and let's meet more people and let's see if we can grow our network that way. And then it was, all right, let's see if we can get some ROI from this. Like, I don't know if this is really a thing or if I'm just creating a lot of friends. And so then that became a thing. And then it, then it became like, all right, you're, you're teetering on philanthropy here. Like, what are you going to do? Is this, is this like, are you gonna start giving back? Are you going to do this? And, was, and then that's whenever I really started talking to Mike Michalowicz and he's like, man, you got, you have to build your foundation before you can start giving back. And that was the mistake that I was making in 2016, 2017, and even parts of 2018, I was giving to charities. I mean, we were giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to charities where wow. they were like, you got to keep that money. You have to put that money back in your business and grow your business and stop giving it away. Once you get to the 10, 15, $20 million mark, then it's going to be to where you can give way more than that away. But if you don't stop what you're doing right now, you're never going to be able to get to that point to give that, that money away and make a huge impact in, in your community. And so I was like, all right, thanks Mike for that reality check there. <laughs> and so, but it's, it's been really cool and we still give away a lot with like foundations and anything that we can, especially if we can trade anything, we will do that in a heartbeat trade labor for, for that. But now it's like, Anytime you go to a, a, any kind of chamber meeting or, or by local or, you know, the police canine foundation. So there's a Georgia canine police foundation and like 5% of net profits from one of the vans automatically goes to that foundation like every month. So wow. then they're like, anytime something happens, I mean, it's a giver's gain type philosophy, not intentionally up front because they were actually a really small organization when we first became friends with them. Just so happened that one of the guys that is the head of that organization statewide. Now his son plays on my son's soccer team. So it's like, it was, we're just really good friends up to start with. And and then to learn what they do for, for the canines, the, the police canines, it was like, okay, this is a no brainer. We'll, we'll definitely give to your organization. And I'm kind of a sucker when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, and so my CPA and, and people like Mike, they're like, all right, you gotta stop, you know? And so that's, that's, you know, that's kind of a, 
why I am the way I am about Savannah. And if I, if I grew up in Atlanta or if I grew up in, you know, New Orleans, I'd probably feel the same way there. And it's just, I think it's just part of our, our DNA here. Well, I love it. I love it. And I'm, I'm more than confident you're going to get to that point where you're going to be able to give away a lot of money, Tersh. So uh, <laughs> just keep, yeah, you'll get there. Fingers I have crossed. a couple rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Uh, may I ask them? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, actually, before I get to those, is there anything we should have talked about that we didn't talk about? No, I think we covered, <laughs> I think we covered most everything. <laughs> we did cover most everything. Um, all right. Are you ready? Yep. How do you take your coffee? Ooh, coffee black with just a lots of sugar one day. And then the next day, like one, one tablespoon of sugar, because I feel bad for yet the day before. Nice. <laughs> and it's just a cycle. Got it. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. If you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? Wow. This is a good one because I don't really like people. Um, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You could have fooled me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My grandfather, he passed away about two weeks ago. So, Aww, I'm sorry for your loss. It happens. But yeah, definitely. Pops. Nice. What's one thing you're trying to learn more about right now? Uh, Titan Advisor. Oh, it's pretty big. Titan Advisor is like <laughs> bananas big. It's so massive. It's just crazy. <laughs> uh, it's a new tool. We just added to service Titan that allows you to take the most, it basically like asks you what your goals are and then suggests features based on what you're trying to do. It's, I, I don't have the time in this episode to talk about it. It is right. insane. <laughs> if money weren't an object, so you had unlimited resources, what's the first thing you would do? Donate to all the charities I keep telling no. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You already gave a bunch of them during the interview, but are there any specific podcasts or books you want to call out that people should check out? I'll be honest with you. I'd, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to listening. I don't, I'm not a great reader, but I, because um, I, I do suffer with mild case of dyslexia, but I do listen to stuff like crazy on Audible. And uh, I have a, I have a list that is it's at kit.co uh, slash tersh and then reading for success with hyphens kit, between each word. Kit.co.tersh. Kit.co slash tersh. Got it. And oh my uh, so there's like 150 or 200 books there that uh, we've read over the past year. And so those are some good books that I've read uh, or listened to. And you're like, do I have a list? Yes, I have a website for my list. It's kit.co slash Tersh, T-E-R-S-H, right? That's it. That is All right. It. Final question. What's the number one thing every contractor should do to run a successful business? I only can do one. Only one. Well, I mean, you can give me two. I mean, it's not. Mm, yeah. It's your show. I'm just hosting it. <laughs> so two things really fast. And I want to make sure that I'm ultimately I'm I'm like uber clear about this because I'm 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 so crazy passionate about it. Is get your CRM. Or I mean, obviously I'm all for service Titan. Like, do that, do it, and do all of it. Like, there's nothing more irritating to me than than to hear somebody complain about a CRM or or, or complain about service Titan and then they have like a, a 10 as their service Titan score. I'm like, do it, get it, and do it. Just do it. And and then uh, relinquish the reins. Like totally, like you don't have to be that guy or that gal that has to do everything. Get people that are really good, let them replace you, be replaceable and have a good CRM. 
That's great. Great advice, Tersh. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thanks so much for being a guest on Toolbox for the Trades. It was 100% my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite. Are you looking to build a top tier service company? Service Titans Contractor Playbook is a handy guide to help you get where you want to go. Authored by the industry's greatest minds, this free all-in-one playbook will help you set your company up for success. Learn how to provide excellent customer service, establish your company's culture, market to new and existing customers, and more. Just go to servicetitan.com slash get playbook to access the free digital guide. That's servicetitan.com slash get playbook.